You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Alright folks, what is up? What is up? And welcome into another episode of America's Hometown Heart. Thanks for tuning in to another episode as we continue into Janthology, baby. And uh, we are back with another uh, shorter episode today uh, on another anthology movie, another well-known anthology movie. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode last week on Southbound. And uh, things might be a little bit uh, quieter this episode because we are uh, sans Catherine. Uh, but I am joined by my other esteemed co-host, Andrew. What's up, dude? Not much. Just, uh, you know, making it through the winter, watching movies, and just trying to will spring to come faster. I know. It's, it's so funny. I was talking to, uh, to my neighbor, George, about this the other day, but it's just like at least this month... You know, I feel like on top of the fact that we're all doing sober January, at least we have football to look forward to this month, and at least the Patriots are in the playoffs this year, at least uh, until Saturday. We'll see yeah. what happens on Saturday. But then you think about the fact that we still have the entire month of February that has, like, nothing going on. Yeah, there's a minimum, the Super Bowl. minimum of, like, six weeks where it's going to just be yeah. wanting to rip our eyes out. Yeah, Su- Super Bowl, and then, I mean, maybe a couple movie releases to look forward to, and then, uh, I guess, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Great. Oh, Great. Cool, my favorite. <laughs> very cool, very <laughs> cool. But, uh, but yeah, so what's, what's been going on since the last time we recorded? You uh, been up to anything good? Watch anything good? I know you're a uh, big fan of watching uh, late-night movies after work that are uh, crazy, ridiculous horror movies. Anything of note to report? <laughs> um, what did I watch? I watched The Undertaker with Joe Spinelli. Okay. Some weird movie where he plays an undertaker and he has like these, I don't know, it's just, he keeps like these women down in his morgue. His, mor- his mortuary. His mortuary. <laughs> it's just one of those weird like Joe Spinelli type movies where he's just a maniac. and Nice. It's, it's there's not really much to say about it. It's pretty much just a gory Gory B horror movie. B horror movie. Nice. Worth watching. Where'd you find that one? Amazon. Amazon Amazon has the weirdest movie. Amazon Prime and Shutter, you know, combined with that, does have like the deepest cut. So maybe it was a Shutter movie because when I'm when I'm on my Amazon Prime, it just says what's next for you, and I never really notice if it's on Shutter or if it's on Amazon. So maybe it's Shutter. That seems like a Shutter movie, but nice. Well, speaking of Shutter, I did actually have a chance to finish the other day. I know we. we had talked about it previously, but uh, that Shutter series behind the monsters. Oh yeah, yeah. So I finished. The, I, I had two episodes left. I finished it. I watched the last two, which were on Jason Voorhees, and the final one, which you absolutely need to watch, is on Pinhead and Hellraiser. Oh, nice. Um, they're both very good. It, it, it's the type of thing. If you know, uh, I really like the deep dive, like documentary, like horror history look into things, and this series is very good with that. There's a lot of. Uh, interesting talking heads on all of these episodes that kind of share some good insight. You know, people that made the movies, you know, some people that uh, are horror writers, horror movie makers. 
and uh, the, the, obviously with the with the Hellraiser one we talked about a couple episodes ago, they're doing a new Hellraiser movie that's coming out this year, directed by David Bruckner, who directed a segment of Southbound, which we covered last week. He also did The Ritual. Yeah. Uh, what was that Netflix movie that we watched? Uh, Nobody Gets Out Alive. Yeah. He did that one. So he's directing the new Hellraiser, and he actually is you know commenting throughout that entire episode. So I think he has a good grasp. On the franchise, you know, easy to see that he has a lot of love for it. So I think that's in good hands. Also, they, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, I, I, I don't think I, I think it's out there in the news, but he said it on the show that they uh, apparently they gender swapped Pinhead for this new uh, reboot sequel. Oh, really? So Pinhead's going to be a female. Huh. Which is an interesting, uh, interesting, interesting choice. I mean, I don't think it really matters. No. Because no. it's. Pinhead isn't really a gender. That's it's, what I thought. I always thought of like all this, the Cenobites as like genderless, yeah. you know, so I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's definitely played by a guy in the movie. Oh, obviously. yeah, of course. But I mean, you yeah. could easily swap them out for a woman. Doug Bradley, I believe, is the guy's name that was uh, that's played Pinhead. Uh, well, then you sent me famously. that article where they uh, thought about doing the mashup with... Oh, my God, like, I know. So, that, that, uh, I don't know, but that would have been pretty cool. They could probably still do that now. Yeah, so yeah. the article I sent Andrew, was it was, um, from, it was actually when I was watching the show a few years back... They tossed around the idea right after they did the Freddy versus Jason movie. Uh, they tossed out the idea of doing a Michael Myers versus Pinhead movie, which would be pretty been fucking wild. <laughs> and it would have involved like the events of uh, Halloween Three, Season of the Witch. Oh, like yeah. so that would have been really really cool. Because there's still that, time. You and I are both uh, pretty big fans of Halloween Three, Season of the Witch. But anyway. Yeah, so welcome back into G Anthology. One more thing to note uh, before we jump into tonight's movie. Um, I was talking to our buddy Andy of the Inebriart Podcast, and of course we are a part of the Inebriart Podcast Network. Um, he had the opportunity to be on a podcast called The School of Podcasting, which is uh, that's a pretty big deal. So congrats to Andy on that. He kind of just was talking about his history as a podcaster and some of the things that he's done. Uh, they did actually, or Andy did talk about the two-part episode that we did down at the, uh, the old jail down in Cape uh, Cod. Yeah. Uh, so we got a nice little shout-out um, on the most recent episode of the School of Podcasting. It's Thanks, not, Andy. Yeah, it's actually right in the first, like, five minutes of the show. So if you want to go on and, and hear that shout-out that we got, you can uh, listen to the rest of the episode or not. doesn't really matter to us, but it's uh, it's a show that's about kind of like the, the art of podcasting and, you know, different tips to try and make yourself a better podcaster. So if you are a podcaster, I would definitely say check that show out. So, with that being said, ready to uh, jump into the Twilight Zone, the movie? So, we're going to be kind of going off the cuff on this one, which is a little bit different than what we usually do, because uh, fucking Verizon, uh, my internet has been down uh, periodically over the last week, and I've had to make several calls to Verizon, so before we recorded this, I haven't had as much chance to... do as much research as I usually do, which is, uh, I think this should be a nice refreshing change. You didn't want to, to hit up the library? The I didn't want to hit up the library. <laughs> I had too much, too much else going on. Um, but I guess, you know, kind of to start, Twilight's on the movie. Obviously, it's a movie, but it's based on the uh, famous show that was created by Rod Serling. Uh, the black and white sci-fi classic television show. Probably one of the greatest television shows ever created. I know the Twilight Zone, the show, the, the whole franchise as a whole has a special place in my heart. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on about The Twilight Zone, but what about you? Are you a fan of The Twilight Zone, the original series, the overall franchise? What do you think? Oh, I love The Twilight Zone, the original series. Like, we used to watch that all the time when I was younger. My dad would put it on for New Year's Eve. Yeah. And we'd watch that. And between that and The Stooges, I always like The Twilight Zone better. I mean, The Stooges is good, but 
Um, and then, you know, you went through the period of time where you would go out for New Year's, and mm-hmm. then now it's like, meh, I don't really care about New Year's anymore. Yeah. So then you watch it again, but yep. yeah, I feel like I've seen, I feel like the show's a classic. You can't beat it. And the ride down in Disney, the Twilight Zone Tower Tower. Oh my God. You can't what, beat that if ride. If you look over your shoulder, obviously I have a little poster of the uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror right here in the podcast studio. That is my favorite ride of all time. Yeah. I, and uh, it's essentially just like one of those, whatever they are, the elevator drop rides. Tower drop rides. tower rides. But it's so much better because yeah. of the theme of it. Themed to the Twilight Zone, and it's like, you know, Haunted Hotel. It's actually, I'm amazed that they put something like that at Walt Disney World and at Disneyland because it seems so far outside of the realm of what they do. They don't really do anything scary. And it's not a scary ride. It's just, you know, it's it's just a, a love letter to the Twilight Zone. Uh, but I guess if Disney was going to do something spooky, this would probably be something that would just tailor-made for them because it doesn't have any gore, doesn't have any swearing or sex or anything like yep. that. So it's kind of just spooky stories, sci-fi stories, and it kind of... Uh, it's an outlier, but, I mean, the ride is fantastic. The, the last time I went to Disney World, which was probably, Jesus, 15 years ago at this point, maybe even longer than that, I think uh, I remember I, I think I went on that ride about seven times in a row because I was there at night and there was no line for it. So I just kept getting off, getting back yeah. on, getting off, getting back on. It's such a fun ride, and uh, I hope it never goes away. I know that they rethemed the one in California for Marvel, so I'm hoping they never do that at the one in uh, in Florida. Because pretty that soon everything's gonna be rethemed. Everything's for gonna be Marvel or Star Wars there. So you know, whatever. I digress, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the original show, um, <clears throat> even to the point where there's been several rebooted uh, versions of the show. At this point, there was one in the '80s, there was one in the early 2000s, which was terrible. Uh, I remember they got Jonathan Davis from Corn to do a revamped version of the Twilight Zone theme. Not good. I don't remember that at all. And then obviously the most recent version is the one that was executive produced and hosted by Jordan Peele, which I actually surprisingly was not a fan of. Um, I watched the first season. It was okay. Uh, Jordan Peele's very good as the host, but I didn't feel like the episodes were very good. I didn't see season two. Uh, They were on CBS All Access before that got dissolved, and now I think it's on Paramount. Plus, I don't even know. It's tough to keep up with all this streaming shit. Yeah, there's but, too many. Yeah, so obviously, you know, uh, this movie kind of came about in the early 80s. It was released in 1983, and it was kind of spearheaded by Steven Spielberg, who obviously, like many people, was a huge fan of the show growing up, so he wanted to do a movie based on The Twilight Zone. Um, so with that being said, what do you th- what did you think about the movie in general, and, and, and especially, I guess, compared to the TV show? Um, it has its moments. I mean, I, I find it to be, I find, like, most of the movie, like, two of the segments are kind of boring. Yeah. Like, the, um, I mean, the one with Anthony and, like, the cartoon yeah. house and stuff, that one's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not great. But the Sunnyvale one is probably the boringest one with, like, the retirement home. Yeah. It just doesn't, like, like, because yeah. it starts off so fire yeah. at the beginning, too, with the Dan Aykroyd and Mel Brooks or whatever his name is. Albert yep. Brooks. Yeah. Albert, Albert Brooks. Brooks yep. Albert Brooks. That part's awesome, just like the wraparound kind of segment. Yeah. And then the first segment's really good, the one with Vic Morrow. Yep. Um, and the last segment's obviously yep. the best. Yep. But the middle, it's just kind of like, eh, it's just filler, it feels like. And one of those, the Spielberg one, too. Yeah. But it's, so, yeah, the Spielberg one's actually kicked the can in this, and I thought that was, I, I agree with you, the most boring one. Um, I think the, the thing that I kind of, I like, but I also don't like about this movie is that it is... Much more scary, much more horror-themed than the original show ever was. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, Especially in, I think, probably three of the the four segments. I mean, actually, I guess four of the five segments, if you want to count the prologue, 
which I liked. Um, I don't know that many of the segments capture the original feel of the show. They're definitely updated, and I know a couple, uh, mo- actually most of the episodes are just remakes of some of the original episodes of The Twilight Zone, especially the last two, uh, which is a, a, the third segment is a remake of It's a Good Life, which is a classic episode of the show. And then the, the uh, fourth and final segment, which is just absolutely unbelievable, is a remake of Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. I mean, that is just, we'll, we'll get to it, but that's probably, there's some really good ones in here, and there's some ones that don't work as well. But yeah, I, I like the movie. Um, I hadn't watched it from start to finish in a long time, so I, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I remembered. Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking about, it's so like the prologue, right? It's cool, you get Dan Aykroyd, you get uh, Albert Brooks, it's meta, like mm-hmm. they're talking about, oh, do you remember the Twilight Zone? Like, I, I like that kind of part of it, and then obviously there's the big scare at the end with Dan Aykroyd where he kind of turns into some monster. There's really no point to that, though. No, you know, it's, it's just, just kind of like a... to get get you going a little bit, get you get you uh, get you get you on a jump scare at the very end. But yeah, I, I thought it was a uh, very good movie. I'm glad I've wanted to talk about this movie for a while, so I'm glad that we uh, I'm glad that we are doing it finally. And I know that uh, you and I are probably the best two to talk about this because I know that Cat uh, does not have she very much of an interest in the Twilight yeah. Zone. Yeah, she, I, I know she's not a big fan of the show. And I don't know if she's ever seen the movie before. It's probably one of those things where if she saw it, she'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah I've seen that. I remember this. I remember this. But she's not here today. So anyway. Um, so as I mentioned, The Twilight Zone, the movie came out in 1983. Uh, just to give you an idea, some of the other movies that came out this year. Uh, not a whole lot of note here. Uh, probably two of the biggest releases. Uh, John Carpenter directing the Stephen King adaptation of Christine. Okay. Christine, Christine, Christine. Uh, Cujo also came out in 1983. Let's see what else we got here. Jaws 3D. Oh, terrible movie. That has a young uh, Dennis Quaid, and that's the one where Jaws attacks the aquarium uh, down in Florida. Uh, not, not. No, that's not terrible. Good. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Psycho 2, which came out in 1983, and it, I think Psycho came out in what 68. So it took them like was... 15 years to make a sequel to, to Psycho. They brought back Anthony Perkins to reprise the role of Norman Bates. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. That's a big movie that came out in 1983 that a lot of people like. Uh, let's see what else. Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is an adaptation of the uh, famous Ray Bradbury story. Uh, obviously Twilight Zone the movie. And then uh, one of David Cronenberg's most wacky movies, uh, Videodrome. You ever Videodrome. seen Videodrome? I, see, like forever ago. I'd have to watch that again. That's, that's fucking really really weird movie uh yeah so that's what we got for 1983 not a whole lot of note there and i think you know uh, i guess i i don't really have any particular movie that i mentioned there it's one of my all-time favorites so i would think that this movie probably stands out i think christine's good cujo's pretty good i think this probably stands up there uh, uh, you know at the top with some of those other movies so um i guess kind of to go in the same format as we did last week with this so we can just run through the segments here um so obviously the first one we kind of mentioned the prologue. There's not a whole yep. lot there, not a lot of meat on the bone, but essentially mm-hmm. you get Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks driving down a desolate road, and uh, their tape goes out, the radio's out, and they start talking about uh, you know old TV shows, doing a TV show theme song trivia thing, and they end up talking about the Twilight Zone, which was kind of, as I mentioned, a cool little meta thing that they did. Uh, and then all of a sudden Dan Aykroyd says you want to do something really scary and they pull over to the side of the road and he turns into some sort of weird demon monster yeah. thing and you know it's assumed that he kills uh, Albert Brooks's character 
And then it cuts to the infamous voiceover. Uh, you know who does the voiceover in this movie? Because obviously Rod Serling had passed away at the time. It sounds so... Fr- like, I know the voice. And it's definitely the guy with the glasses from the... Um, yep. It's the... Uh, Burgess Meredith. That's his name. Yep. So the guy... Uh, time Enough at Last. Yep. Oh, yep. my books. Yep. Oh, my books. Yep. So that one... Yeah, because uh, actually I just looked it up. So Rod Serling had died in 1975. Uh, so he was not around to do the voiceover for this movie. Uh, fun fact, he uh, also did not do the voiceovers in the Twilight Zone ride at Disney World. That was done by an impersonator because uh, uh, they okay. wanted to record new audio for that. But they did use archived footage, and the guy actually does sound just like him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after that, uh, after the prologue there and the, uh, the the famous Twilight Zone introduction, you get uh, you get sec- the first segment, which is a kind of a partial reworking but not a full remake of an episode called A Quality of Mercy. And I think this is one of the strongest segments in the movie. This one's the most Twilight Zone out of them, yeah. I would think. Obviously, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff happened with this one as well. So if you could, I guess if you had to give a, a plot synopsis of this one, uh, how would you describe this? Um, very uncomfortable segment to watch. Yeah, it's a man, very, oh man, a lot of um, <laughs> racism. and uh, So basically, it's about this guy that, you know, it's, it's basically a tale that shows... That it's not never as, really as bad as you think it is. Like, yeah. It could be way worse. Yeah. Because um, he's just constantly being dropped into these different time periods mm. where, you know, one, he's being hunted down by the Nazis. Yeah. The other one, he's in, like, Vietnam. No. Is he in Vietnam? Vietnam. Yeah, he's yep. in Vietnam. Um, then also one? he's getting hunted by the KKK. The KKK, yep. Yep. And it's, like, basically, like... I know, it's basically like, shut the fuck up and just yeah. be happy with what you have in your life. You're very fortunate. Yeah, to moral of the story is don't be a racist. Yeah. You, know what I kinda, you know what I kind of thought about this too, is, which was funny? Like, yes, he is definitely a racist piece of shit. He's dropping uh, hard N-bombs and lots of other slurs yeah. when he's at the bar with his buddies, uh, kind of blowing off steam because he didn't get promotion and he was passed up on this promotion by a man who was Jewish. Hence the uh, the insertion into Nazi-occupied uh, France, which is the first segment. But he also is, uh, you know, dropping, like I said, lots of other racial slurs, which is why he's dropped into the racist South. And then he's uh, dropped into Vietnam and being hunted not only by the Viet Cong, but also by uh, American soldiers. Don't you think, I mean, yeah, bad guy, not a great guy. Yeah. Don't you think it would make more sense um, for, like, one of the Nazi officers or one of the KKK members or, like, a racist American soldier to be dropped into this situation rather than just some guy who happened to drop a couple slurs because he was pissed off? <laughs> I mean, that pro- maybe it's just going to show that just because you may not be that fanatical, mm. still yeah. you shouldn't be. Exactly, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I guess, and a point that Rod Serling made in a lot of episodes of The Twilight Zone, because Twilight Zone was a pretty woke show for the time that yeah. it was on back in the day. It was pretty much like any seed of hatred, discrimination, racism can grow into something larger. Yeah. So I think the moral of this story is just, you know. Well, just so because he was probably, for that time period, a fairly average person. <laughs> like, because, like, I mean, yeah. people were pretty damn racist back in that period. Like, uh, yeah. So maybe he would, they were just showing, like, this could just be anybody. Yeah. Because you know, you know. well, even his friends were just like, Jews, yeah, settle hey, down. Yeah, calm down. Because <laughs> yelling down. racist slurs. Yeah, it was, it was definitely odd. But I, I think it's incredibly well done. It's, a, it's an awesome segment. And obviously, it's kind of overshadowed by the tragedy that struck behind the scenes, which yeah. I know we talked about um, on a prior episode. I forget exactly which one, but... Um, it's actually covered on a. Speaking of Shutter, another Shutter exclusive series called Cursed Films. 
So there is an episode on the Twilight Zone, the movie that ex- focuses exclusively on this segment. Uh, so the main character in this segment, uh, the actor's name was Vic Morrow. Uh, if you if you haven't heard of it, essentially what happened was uh, the Vietnam segment part of that, the, or the Vietnam scenes of that segment. Uh, there was supposed to be a scene where he you know, tries to redeem himself a little bit, and he's trying to rescue a couple of uh, orphaned Vietnamese children, and he's running, and there's a helicopter chasing him. They actually filmed this on a back lot um, in in Hollywood, and the stunt went wrong uh, due to neglect on the part of John Landis, who directed that segment. Uh, John Landis also directed uh, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Animal House, so he's a pretty famous up-and-coming director, and you watch the show, you get a, a sense of the arrogance that he has. Totally disregarded uh, all safety protocols just to get his shot. And essentially, Vic Morrow was killed along with two child actors who uh, were working illegally at the time that they were Jeez, killed. Jesus, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were. Uh, they're not supposed to work after a certain time. It was obviously shot at night. They were being paid cash under the table. Uh, the helicopter crashed due to a botched explosion. And uh, Vic Morrow was decapitated by the helicopter. Did he? He didn't do any jail time or anything for this. Uh, he had a civil. He, had, he was found. It, I guess he was brought up on manslaughter charges. I don't know if he was specifically, but some of the crew were. I think they were found ultimately not guilty, but there was a huge civil suit. Jesus. Yeah. So Vic Morrow was decapitated by the helicopter, and the two children were actually crushed by the wreckage of the helicopter. Imagine the people there too, like how like traumatizing that Just, is. Well, so if you if you if you watch that episode, you get a sense cuz they interview people that were there. Yeah, Jesus. And they can like barely talk about it cuz it's such a horrible Awful, thing. Awful, yeah. Like, and it just, yeah, it, it does not paint a good picture of John Landis, and he really hasn't gone on to do very much since then. It kind of killed his career. Um, him and Steven Spielberg were very good friends at the time when they made this movie, and Steven Spielberg essentially cut off his friendship with this guy, denounced him. This so it was a it was a very big deal. So I feel like you can't really talk about the Twilight Zone movie no. without really talking about this incident. So um, yeah, if you want to want to check out this movie, definitely check out if you have Shutter, uh, Cursed Films, all the episodes, but specifically the one on the Twilight Zone, the movie. So. Uh, after that, we move into, as we mentioned, the most boring segment of the entire yeah, movie, like, right? I mean, it, Which it's, actually, definitely, it's definitely a Twilight Zone. Like, it, it fits perfectly with it, but it's took just... took the words right out of my mouth. It's just boring. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a cool idea and a story, but... It's a good message. It's, it's that, that makes... That's a better short story to just read. Yeah. To make a... Like, it's like... Yeah. It isn't, isn't um... Dick Halloran? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Halloran. Scatman Crothers is the guy that plays uh, Mr. Bloom, yep. who is the guy that initiates the, ca- the the game of Kick the Can. But I guess essentially, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this one because it, it is far and away the worst of the, of the five, four or five segments, whatever you it's want like to call cocoon, it. It's like Cocoon, like you were saying. Though. It very much is like Cocoon, right? Yeah. It, it's a good message. It's it's kind of sad because, you know, it, it's so it takes place at a, at a retirement home. And it starts off with one of these, uh, you know, an, an elderly gentleman who you just get the overall sense of sadness. All these people are growing old and they're kind of yearning for their younger days. And I, I just thought it, this was probably the saddest story very sad. out of all of them. Because um, you get that one guy, I forget his name, who like his his kid, uh, his son and his, his son's wife come to visit. And you, you know, obviously he thinks he's he leaving. Thinks he's leaving, and it, he, you can tell he keeps getting strung along by his son. It's just a a sad commentary on 
the state of, you know, elderly care. Even this was made in the 80s, and I feel like it's even worse now. And it's just really, really sad to think about. I would never, ever want to see my parents in a place like that with a, you know, no hope and, and no, yeah. you know, Be like, reason you, you for... You can't take them <laughs> to live with you, like, I mean... <laughs> I know, it's just so sad. And, like, the, the music's very sad. But obviously it kind of... It, it kind of it lifts up from there. Yeah. Uh, Dick Halloran, uh, Scatman Crothers' character, essentially, it's, I mean, what is he supposed to be? Magical or something yeah, like that? Yeah, magical. In so some he way. initiates a game of kick the can, and uh, all these elderly people start playing, and then they become young again. And then they, uh, I mean, they, they're, they're kids, and they realize that, okay, it's great to be young again, but all these things that I loved about my life, I'm not going to get to experience those again. So the, yep. the moral is essentially like, you know, Never, uh, well, you know, appreciate your age, but always be young at heart. Yeah. Right? So, you know, uplifting, cool story, but definitely feels the most out of place in this movie because I feel like everything else is so much more scary. Yeah. And, and this, this is, is very, just, this is like, a you're waiting cleanser. for something to happen. And yeah. Like this is very much like a palate cleanser. So, anything you want to say about, uh, about Kick the Can that I haven't mentioned already? Nah, it's pretty much, definitely the worst segment of them all not worse but no. yeah well i mean it is the worst segment of them. yeah for sure for sure all right so from that point we move on to segment three which is uh we mentioned before a remake of it's a good life and uh this is probably one of the most famous episodes of the twilight zone along with like the monsters are due on maple street uh it's a good life is one of the ones that has always stood the test of time the, the ventriloquist dummy episode of the twilight yeah. zone it's not the famous one but uh yeah so how would you uh how would you give a, a plot synopsis of this one Basically, like this supernatural kid with powers that um, it seems like. So none of those people in the house are his real family, except for his sister upstairs right. is what I'm gathering. Yep. And he basically just tricks people to come to his house, and then he pretty much just keeps them trapped there because he has control over everything that's happening, and he yep. can pretty much use his powers for good or evil. Yep. Which basically this is, you know, use your powers for good if you have yep. the opportunity. Yep. Um, it's cool with, like, the cartooniness of it, and mm-hmm. um, the guy that plays... Uncle Walt, he's yes. awesome. I he's love good, that guy. Good I can't, character. He's in a billion things, and I can't... Yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie. Um, actually, I wanted to mention, too, so in the Kick the Can segment, the older Jewish guy with the big glasses, yep. he's been in Seinfeld. I forget exactly what episode, but he was uh, in okay. Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so actually, so, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good description. So, you know, this, uh, this woman is driving through this town. She stops to get a bite to eat, runs into this kid, and uh, ends up through circumstances, having to give him a ride back to his house. And uh, when she gets back to his house, all these weird things start happening. And the family's very, you know, like, oh, hey, like, stay for dinner, blah, blah, blah. And they're just, you can tell that something is off. Um, well, what I find kind of interesting, too, is so is he only supposed – can he only use his powers at the house? Because when that guy – when the bully, like, pushes him when he's playing the video game, why doesn't he do anything to yeah, him? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. Something. That's a good question. I would have thought for sure. So, you know, having rewatched this from start to finish – this one didn't hold up as well as I thought it did because I like I remember this one as a kid being one of the scarier segments. Yeah, um, with the rabbit for, for out two of the scenes, hat. the rabbit out of the hat, and then like the Tasmanian devil thing yeah, that they the show. The little girl getting eaten the by little, the cartoon yep, by monsters. the cartoon that was really spooky. And then obviously the sister that has well, that cartoon was spooky. The cartoon was very spooky. Yeah, I was like, very what spooky. am I watching? Um, so yeah, uh, a couple others. So you mentioned Uncle Walt. He's been in a bunch of stuff. So the sis- the sister that does not have her mouth removed, do you know who she is? No. So she's Nancy Cartwright. Know who she is? Nancy Cartwright. Yeah, she's uh, Bart Simpson on The oh, Simpsons. Oh, no shit. Yep. 
Huh. Yeah, so she That's is uh, she is the voice of Bart Simpson. So, fun little fact there. Uh, also, in addition to that, uh, I know that the actor who played the child in the... Anthony. Uh, yep. Uh, no, so not Anthony, The um, in the original Twilight Zone episode. Oh, okay. The actor's name is Billy Mummy, I believe his name is. He is one of the patrons at the diner in the beginning. So he has a little oh, cameo. Oh, okay. No yeah. shit. Um, but yeah, definitely some spooky stuff in here. I feel like aside from those scares, it wasn't as good as I remembered. No. But it was it was decent. It's a good one. It was it was well acted. It was well done. Yeah. Like it, but it just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a 1983. Like, it's, it's tough for this stuff to stand up to yeah. the test of time when you've seen so many crazier things. Yeah. It's like, but it's still nostalgic. It still makes you feel nostalgic. It's nice. Yeah, this this movie definitely gave me a sense of nostalgia. That's a very good way of putting it. Very good way of putting it. Um, anything else you want to talk about for that segment before we move on to the uh, the king, the king of all segments in this movie? I feel like it could have gone a little bit further. Yeah, it just kind of like I don't know. It was like, it was like it was missing something. Yeah, almost. I feel like it, good, not great. Yeah, it was. I feel like a lot of these were good, not mm-hmm. great, except for. You know the first two, the first one and the last one are yeah obviously the cream de la creme. creme de la creme. All right, that's a a great professional segue there, Andrew. So go ahead, my friend, talk to me about Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. So I know you love this segment. I know you love you some John Lithgow. I mean, John Lithgow makes this segment. Oh, he's fantastic. He is amazing. Yeah. In this, I don't think they could have picked. I don't know who else you would have picked for this. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that could have done this role, but nobody would have been able to do it the way that Lithgow did it. It's just phenomenal yeah. in every aspect. This one just builds terror throughout yeah. it because you can see it, he can see it, yeah, and nobody believes him. They just think he's insane, yeah. which he is acting in completely insane. Yep. Like maybe if you were a little bit calmer about it, but he clearly has a fear of you know being in a plane to begin with. Yep. Probably shouldn't be flying. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, if this happened, this guy would have been like... Like, they took him away to, like, a mental institution at the end, but he would have been, like, arrested. Yeah, probably got They would have jail. emergency landed. And <laughs> yeah, well, he, he steals a gun, <laughs> shoots a hole in a window. Like, you're in jail for uh, probably the, the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, so uh, John Lithgow's character, whose name, I believe, is Valentine. Valentine, yeah. Uh, he he's a writer, is, right? He's a writer. Yeah. He, uh, he, because uh, I remember at one point, he is sitting at in his seat, and one of the stewardesses is talking to him. And he's holding a textbook about like physics or you know some sort of math thing. I hate math. Um, she's like, "You really read that stuff?" And he says, "I wrote it." So he's like a genius, but he's a tortured genius because he's terrified of flying. And uh, he, you know, it's very clear that he is not well. And he starts to see something on the wing of the plane, and you're not uh, sure if he's actually seeing things or if it's something that's real. You get a, I guess, a, I don't, a definitive answer at the oh, end. Oh yeah, at the end, I would get, say you get I would a definitive say that's answer. Definitive. Um, but this one, I, I just think his acting, along with the creature effects, yep. make it the best segment of the movie. Oh yeah. And also, this is one of the most classic episodes of the original Twilight Zone series. Uh, the role that John Lithgow plays in this segment was played by uh, William <laughs> Shatner in the original one. Um, so if you've seen the original episode of Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, you know Shatner's in it, but you also know that the uh, the creature on the wing of the plane <laughs> uh, looks much, much different. Uh, he essentially uh, is a guy in like a fucking teddy bear suit. 
Which, and this is a much scarier monster. Oh, yeah, much scarier. But I, I feel like it, it doesn't even matter what's on the wing of the plane. Yeah. The, the general circumstances is horrifying enough because if I was ever on a plane and it, it, the weather was like that and that was going on, yeah. I would shit my pants. Yeah, yeah. Are you uh, are you good with flying? Do you get I'm the... fine. I, I, I hate taking off. I just want to get up. And then I hate – I turbulence is fine because usually when we're up, I'm sleeping. I yeah. can fall asleep. Yep. It's landing and taking off. Other than that, I'm fine on a plane. Okay. Because for some reason, when we're landing, I don't see how it's possible that these three small wheels yeah. can maintain this thing yeah. that's going coming down like. I'm, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So cats, cats the same way, and I feel like uh, if cat were here right now, this is the part where she would chime in because she is uh, very much afraid of takeoffs and landings. I've only encountered on bad turbulence a couple times. Yeah. But most. Yeah, I think I only a couple times too. Uh, so I, my uh, my in laws one time were flying back from Mexico. Uh, during the blizzard of 78. Oh, Jesus. And I guess they said the turbulence was so bad, they actually thought that they were going to die. Like, they thought the plane was going to crash. I guess, like, there was a stewardess, like, like sitting on the ground, like, like head in between her knees, Jesus. like, sobbing, like, the turbulence was so bad. Um, so, yeah, that, I feel like that would... Like, one incident like that can kind of scar you for life. Yeah, I would say so. so. I wonder if something like that happened to our buddy uh, Valentine, John Lithgow. But, uh, yeah, so I, I just think, you know, the cre- the creature in this is fantastic, too. Oh. I know we kind of talked about that already, but it's very creepy. There's a fantastic jump scare with the creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, yeah, this 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 ends, yeah, this ends the movie on an extremely high note. And, obviously, you know, the plane eventually does land. Uh, it shows Valentine in a, uh, essentially, a straitjacket on a stretcher. He's being wheeled into an ambulance. But then you see the airplane crew goes to the wing of the plane, and the engines are essentially destroyed. Shredded by, yeah. like, long yep. fingernails yeah, so. ripping through with talons. So, and then they just let the guy get taken away instead of being like, oh, maybe this guy yeah, is maybe he was right. Maybe he's right because this doesn't look like this would just happen. Yeah. Instead, they're like, yeah, go away. Bye. Yeah, because yeah, that's the only definitive piece of proof that something did happen because he does grab the little girl's camera at one point and tries yep. to snap a picture, but the, that's, like, one of those instant developing cameras. Yeah. And it just shows the flash of him taking the picture in the window, so you can't see anything there. But, uh, oh yeah, what a great segment. Uh, this, I feel like, is... This makes the movie for me. The other segments are are, are good, are, are okay to very good. This is the one great segment. Oh yeah, this is... Yeah. I mean, it, it could have its own movie. Like, you could make a longer movie. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, really too. I'm surprised that. that this... Um, you you've, mentioned you've this. read the short story before. I have. So this is actually based Does on a short story. Does that take place just on the plane? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it literally is almost the exact same story from this. Um, it's written by Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend, uh, Hell House. He's, he did a bunch of original episodes of The Twilight Zone. Very famous author. Uh, kind of a precursor to, like, Stephen King, contemporary of, like, Ray Bradbury type thing. I have actually a collection of his short stories. It's very, very good. A lot of horror, sci-fi stuff. So if you like uh, if you like that kind of stuff, check out Richard Matheson. Uh, I Am Legend, by the way. The movie was terrible. Will Smith, uh, awesome short story. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But, uh, yeah, and then obviously, so Valentine is in the ambulance, and guess who's driving that ambulance? Dan Aykroyd is, is Dan Aykroyd. And he puts on some CCR, and he says, hey, you want to see something really scary? And then... It cuts back to Rod Serling's narration. So that's Rod Serling at the end, uh, cut from the original show. And then roll credits, and that is the Twilight Zone, the movie, right there. So yeah, very uh, very good movie. Uh, like I said, some things didn't hold up as well as I, as I uh, remembered. But um, I guess, you know, kind of 
not going off a lot of notes here. Um, like many anthology movies do, this had a lot of directing talent behind it. Oh, yeah. So we already mentioned, obviously, John Landis. We mentioned Steven Spielberg, who directed... So Landis directed the prologue and the first segment, which I believe uh, was titled The Quality of Mercy. Uh, Stephen King... Uh, Stephen King. Stephen Spielberg directed Kick the Can. Mm-hmm. The It's a Good Life segment was directed by Joe Dante, who was coming off of Gremlins and The Howling. Yep. Uh, and then the last segment was directed by George Miller. He's an Australian director, director of the Mad Max movies. Uh, so he was pretty famous as well. So a lot of lot of really big names uh, behind the Twilight Zone, the movie. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of other trivia, a lot of other nods to previous episodes of the Twilight Zone that I, I there's probably too many to name. But the biggest thing here when you talk about this movie is obviously the behind-the-scenes drama and tragedy that happened here, which we already covered. So... Um, if you haven't seen it, I'd say at least watch it for the last segment. Oh, for sure. Like, I, which, I mean, you could probably even just find the last segment on YouTube if you yeah, really wanted to. Yeah, because it's probably to. only, what, 20-something minutes It's long. like 20. That's the longest one. I think it's like 25 minutes. Yeah. Actually, the last two are longer. It's like 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes each, something like that. Because the movie's only like an hour and 40 minutes. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So I think safe to say we'll do an abbreviated version of categories here. I know Kat loves this, but she's not here today. So safe to say our favorite segment is definitely Nightmare at 25. Oh, easy. Right? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Uh, and then, I mean, nobody... Actually, does anybody really die in this movie? Mm, yeah. Well... Uh, in the prologue. The prologue. The girl that gets eaten in the cartoon. That's right. Yep. She dies. Okay. Sunnyvale... I mean, they all die. Because yeah. they're old yeah, at yeah. some point. <laughs> um, um, would you like to see a Twilight Zone haunted attraction? I mean, just do the last segment you could do a nightmare at twenty thousand feet on attraction that'd be pretty cool i, th- I yeah, think you, I mean, could, you could yeah, very, you could do it'll the, it'll actually, never happen no but i feel like you could do a pretty a pretty good haunted house based on the twilight zone whether it's the original series or yeah there's just plenty the movie the new series like whatever you want to do there, there's a lot of mythology and lore and stories to uh to draw from there so yeah uh, yeah cool i don't see why not all right you got anything else on the twilight zone the movie my friend yeah, like you said, it, it's from watching it the first time you watch it and then watching it again, it's like, I mean, I've seen it a billion times in between like bits and pieces, but yeah, it's not as awesome as I thought it was before. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just, all you're really remembering is that final segment with John Lithgow. Yep. And then when you watch the other ones, you're like, oh, it's pretty good. But like, yep. without that segment, I would have no use for this movie. Yeah. First segment's very good. Good, and yes. then the third segment is good, and then that one's great. Yeah, that yeah. one really brings it up to absolutely a whole other level. Absolutely. All right, so I think that's probably going to wrap this up. I know this one's a little bit shorter, uh, but again, no cat, uh, lack of internet. Fuck you, Verizon, for many reasons. Uh, but also, it's a little bit shorter because we're going to be giving you a second episode this week because we have the release of Scream. Scream. So... We will be seeing that at some point this week uh, when all of us aren't working. And then I think we'll probably try and record and get that out this week as well. I know Kat is absolutely chopping at the bit to talk about this movie. So uh, I'm sure she will have lots of thoughts on that. Uh, And then uh, beyond that, we have a few more movies to cover here in Janthology. I know we have XX, we have Nightmare Cinema, we have Body Bags. bags, Right? Those are the last three, I think? Those are the last three, yeah. Perfect. Rolling right along. All right, my friend. Uh, so, yeah, this has been actually our 100th episode. Oh, wow. No. Yeah, triple digits. Where's the pageantry? Like? I know. We can we can do a, <laughs> more of a 100th episode celebration for Scream when we have, when we have all three. Yeah, it's exactly. not the same so, without. 
Yeah, not the same without the third wheel here, our, our amigo Katarina. Uh, but yeah, here's where you can find us online if you're looking for more of what we have to say. Uh, our website is apod.com. That's A-H-H-P-O-D.com. You can also find us on YouTube and Facebook. Just search for America's Hometown Horror, and you will find us. You can also tweet at us at Hometown Horror, and you can find us on Instagram, which is where we are the most active. We're at Hometown Horror Pod. Uh, you can also email us at hometownhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find our podcast wherever you're listening right now. We're also on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and wherever else you may get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of America's Hometown Horror. This is Mike and Andrew without Cat. Bye, Cat. Where's Cat? I don't know. Where, where is she? Where is she? Was she working or something? And remember, there is a fifth dimension. Beyond which, that I don't know the whole segment. But anyway. <laughs> Good try. A for effort. Yeah. A dimension of sight. A dimension of sound. A dimension of mind. Road stop. The red, the side of the road, the up ahead, it says the twilight zone. Oh my god, I completely butchered that. <laughs> Say goodbye to your audience. Later. Good evening. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Mike from America's Hometown Horror and just wanted to say thank you again for listening to another episode of our show because of course we would be nothing without you listeners. If you are interested in more local Plymouth podcasts, I would highly recommend you check out uh, some shows by our cohorts on the Inebriart Podcast Network. That's right, the Inebriart Podcast Network, folks. In addition to America's Hometown Horror, you can find the Inebriart Podcast, Bar Talk, Theme Park Legends, Retro Redoctopus and Old Colony Cast, head on over and give them a listen.